Thank you, Mervis. Good morning, amazing family. How are you all today? Some of you okay? Some of you still waking up? Before I speak this morning, I really just want to honor Lucas and the leadership of the church. Um, Lucas, I want to tell you, you're an amazing man, and um, you carry an amazing gift of God, and we so appreciate the gift on the inside of you because it blesses us all the time. When you speak the word, you have such an amazing ability to communicate God's word that it really touches us, and, 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 and you don't use words that people don't understand. You use real life illustrations and just your amazing teacher. So we say thank you for the gift that is on your life. And to all the other leaders that I've been getting, they had the privilege to get to know. Um, and us as a family, we are just so blessed um, to be part of this family. Um, it just is amazing. But I also really, I really want to honor Andrew, Emma, and Enya. You know, we enjoy what we do today because they were obedient to a call of God. And if it wasn't for them, we might not be experiencing this. So we're so grateful for their obedience to the call of God and all the tough times that they've gone through, pioneering, so that God could do this. And um, so we are an honored people. Can I, can I ask us that we never become laxy-daisy about the gifts that God has placed within us and around us? Uh, they are just, they're a gift to us, and therefore they will, they will help us. They will cause us to grow. They will cause us to experience God in, in, in so many different ways. Be appreciative people, because God loves you, and that's how he gets his goodness to you through people. Amen. Amen. So I want to share for a couple of moments this morning, what kind of people does God need? What kind of people does God need? You see, when God told Moses to build the tabernacle, he gave strict instructions. He didn't just go out there and say, well, just go and do whatever you want to know. God gave strict instructions because everything about the tabernacle was to present who he was to the people. And see, God wants to present himself to you and I so that every single day it becomes a wow day. When you wake up in the morning, it's this is the day that the Lord has made, and I'm going to be exceptionally glad and rejoice. Everything that I experience around me. You see, we become so accustomed with living life that we've forgotten about the air that we breathe that God put there. The people around us that are, that are amazing people and friends, we, we, we just take it for granted. And God comes and he will build something so that you and I could every day experience who he is. So in Exodus 25 verse 9, he says this, Make the tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I showed you. And then for the next 15 chapters, God goes through the detail of how he wants everything put together. And you know, when you read that, everything has amazing excellence connected to it. Beautiful. In Exodus chapter 40, after they've built everything, then in verse 34, it says this, Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. I pray that there will come a day that when we walk through those doors, we will fall flat on our face because of the glory of God has filled this place. 
Because God is so excited about meeting with me and you that he, he just invades the place and you and I can't stand there. You've got no words to express how amazing God is. May we, may we experience that. May it happen. Merva said that there's a, maybe a new season. I pray it would be that season. I pray that the people that are walking around on the outside, they would see the flames of God on the roof. They will call the fire engines, and they'll think the place is on fire, and all it will be is just the glory of God upon this place because He's meeting with his people. You see, once you and I do the natural, God can do the super and make the supernatural happen. But you and I have a part to play. It's your and my heart that, that brings the super of God into the natural. May we be so hungry for him that we don't want anything else. And that's why in Hebrews eleven six it says, Without faith it is impossible to please Him, because those who come to Him must know that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek. It's a faith move every single Sunday when you come. Every time you go to come, it's going to be a faith thing. God, may you come. May I touch you. May I experience you. May I experience you. In 2 Peter 1, 3, it says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him, who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of this world caused by evil desires. Listen to verse 5. It says this, For this very reason, make every effort. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to the um, mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in an increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is wanting you and I every single day of our life to keep adding to our life. Adding something. When, every time you and I read the word, something of God wants to paint you so that today you'll be better than yesterday. That, you would see, that people would see God upon your life more today than they did yesterday. You see, we don't trade our Christian lives. We build our Christian lives. We don't trade last year for this year. No, we build on from last year, and we build this year. Next year, we will build on that again. We will just keep building our lives. We take it from one glory to another. And as tough as these last two years have been, and it doesn't matter, every year there will be some sort of thing that the enemy tried to do to destroy you and me, but it doesn't matter because those very things, God turns them to stepping stones so that we, we become something bigger, something stronger, something more dynamic for Him. We carry a fragrance of Jesus upon our life. That when you meet with people and you open your mouth and you speak, you don't just speak words, there's something of heaven that hits people. That's what God wants. So we are builders. We are builders. In 2 Corinthians 3.18 it says this, But we are all, 
with unveiled faces, beholding in as a mirror the glory of the Lord, and being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So our world does not need people that are living in yesterday. Our world needs people that are walking with God today. And tomorrow we're walking with God again. And they can see God touching you and doing something in your and my life. God, this world doesn't need irrelevant people. Have you ever spoken to somebody who kind of like got stuck in life in 1960? (laughs) And their focal point is everything that happened over there and they were never able to move on. Don't you and I become that? When tough things happen or hard things happen or horrible things happen, we deal with it and we step on. Become. Become the person that knows how to move on. So our world requires you and I to be people that would dig new wells in God's presence. The freshness of God every single day. Be carriers of the new wine that the Bible speaks about. And being the new wineskin that knows how to move with the move that God is doing. And you're not stuck. As like I said this morning, is that God wants to do something new. We don't just do something for the sake of doing it because it's Sunday. No, we do something because we want God to breathe. We need to be that new wine skin that's able to stretch and move. We need to be people that will pick ourselves up when things have never happened according to plan. Every single one of us have had things that you can't like planned and it never happened. And life got tough in that moment, but we are people that will pick ourselves up from that. We need to be people. This world needs us to be, to be big enough to acknowledge when things didn't work, but change it. You change. It's hard to change, yes, but we keep on changing. This world needs us to be people of faith that will keep trusting God. Your, Lord, your word says, Lord, your word says, Lord, your word says. And that's what we hold on to because that's the only firm thing we have in a world that we're living in today. This world needs you and I to be participators, not spectators. God put something on the inside of you because he wanted you to contribute into someone else's life. He wants to be, you to become the channel through which he can work so that someone else's life can be touched by it. That means you need to be a participator, not a spectator. You're robbing people when you move into that mode. He wants you and I. He needs us to be believers, not whiners. <laughs> I want to tell you, it's very nice having Declan in the crowd. This world needs you and I to be doers, not doubters. There's lots of things to doubt about. But there's lots of stuff that we still need to be doing and believing God for. Let's keep doing that. You and I, this world needs you and I to be givers, not takers. This world has created this taking mode. Take, 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 take. No, as as born-again believers, we are givers. We go in and we just keep on giving. We put ourselves at the end of the food chain. We just keep make sure that wherever I go, I come with a word, an encouragement, a prayer, a something. It might be small, but I still keep just coming with this whole giving mentality. Why? Because that's what builds something. This world needs you and I to be enthusiastic about tomorrow because God still holds tomorrow in his hand. He still holds tomorrow in his hand. So three things I want to leave with you very quickly. Number one, this world needs people with a different spirit. 
This world needs people with a different spirit. Numbers 14, 24. But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went into and his descendants will inherit it. God is looking for a different spirited people. People that long for more of God than anything else. People that will obey God more than anything else. When people will ridicule you, you and I will still keep standing for God. We will take the ridicule. We will take whatever people say, but we will keep standing for God. You see, the 12 spies went in. 10 came back with a bad report, but two stood for the word, what God had said. And that's the different spirit that we're talking about. When the whole world comes against you, you keep standing. Lord, I will live and I will die, but I will keep declaring this is who you are. This is what you want to do. And you're still a good, good God. You see, a different spirit of people will enter the promised land. God has a promised land for you. It doesn't just fall in your lap. You've got to stand declaring and you've got to go and fight for it. You've got to learn to stand up in the morning and keep declaring what God's Word says above your emotions and your feelings. When life gets tough and people are ugly towards you, you keep standing. You strengthen yourself in the Lord and you keep going out there and you take the punches, but you stand for God. Every single one of us have a spirit about us. What spirit do we carry? I pray we carry the Spirit of God. You see, the spirit we carry creates a godly atmosphere around us. It doesn't make us more holy than anybody else, but it creates an atmosphere around us that impacts people. Have you ever been in a conversation where somebody says, there's something different about you, what is it? That's the, that's the different spirit that God's talking about. You see, because people love to hang around you because there's life on the inside of you. And when you open your mouth, you leave them better than you found them. You leave them encouraged. You, somehow they've got lust for life again. That's the spirit that God wants on the inside. He, that's the different spirit. You see, the spirit we carry, it leaves a godly impact where we go. Paul writes, he says, we are to God a fragrance of Christ. Have you ever walked into a room where there's somebody who's either wearing a, a, a lady perfume or whatever? It, it fills the room. That's what God wants to happen when you and I walk into a room. He wants the presence of heaven to fill that place. Leave an impact on people's lives. It draws a godly spirit to us. It does not fit into this world. It stands for righteousness. It doesn't become arrogant in the way that it does, the, in the way it presents itself, but it stands for righteousness. And people know that you stand for righteousness. Not because you're arrogant, but because you're humble, but yet you know who your God is. The spirit that we carry, it does not stand in disunity, it stands in unity. It does not allow the enemy to come in between our ranks. It stands, it closes ranks and closes together and it helps each other. And when some are weak, it holds their hands up and, and helps them to be strong in their time. That different spirit we carry, it will believe God's word no matter how impossible it looks. When the spies went into the land, 10 saw just giants and all the problems, but yet they brought back the fruit that God said there was there. And two came back with a good report saying, we are able to do this. We are able to take this. We are able to defeat them. And I want to say to you that you carry a different spirit on the inside of you. 
That it doesn't matter whether it's a massive mountain in front of you, you can stand and you can be strong in God. You see, the different spirit stands bold and strong on his word and says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That different spirit says, delay is not denial. That it might take longer than I expected, but it's okay because God's going to come through for us. That different spirit says, give me that mountain that Moses promised me 40 years ago. I am still well able to take it and possess that thing. That different spirit says, you come against me with a sword and a spear, but I come against you in the name of my God, the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. That different spirit says, if God before me, who can be against me? That different spirit says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That different spirit says, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I could even ask or think. God will always exceed my expectations. That different spirit says, those who know that God will be strong and do exploits. I want to tell you, The people that carry a different spirit, Nebuchadnezzar's fire cannot consume them, and Doris's lions cannot eat them. Because we carry a different spirit. Number two, this world needs people who will build. There's lots of things that are destroying our world, and you look around in the natural, and there's a decay that's taking place. But when God comes into something, he's a builder. He believes things better than he founds them. How many of your lives have been changed because Jesus now lives in our heart? And his word has come and has, has, has added such value and has, has healed us and restored us. And, and he's, he's put life back on the inside of us again. So in Matthew six eighteen, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. It doesn't matter how the enemy comes in. The enemy will never win. Never win. God is always victorious. Always. Jesus is a builder. And you'll get two kinds of people on any building site. You will get a demolisher and you'll get a builder. And I pray that you and I will never be found demolishing anything but building something. Build something. In Jude verse 20, it says, But you, dear friends, remember that the apostle of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold, for they said, In the last times there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the people who will divide you and follow mere mutual instructions and do not have the Spirit but you. So here Jude is not talking to unbelievers. He's talking to believers. And he's saying within the believers there's going to be people that are going to want to divide you in the end times. But you. Dear friends, be builders of yourself, build up yourself in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourself in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring to you eternal life. Be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by the snatching them from the fire. And to others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothes stained by corrupted flesh. Be merciful, be gentle with people. You don't beat people into heaven, you love people into heaven. Be merciful with people. When people are struggling, have a heart that understands, but keep standing for what God is. Be a builder. So Jude is speaking about the people that we need to be aware of that's going to creep into our ranks. The question is, what have we been building in our life? How have we been building in our life? In my short life, 
there's a couple of things that I've seen that have helped me to keep walking with God because life has been tough sometimes. And, and it's, it's the things that you put in place, the foundations in your life that keep you when the storms of life come. Remember Jesus, the parable of the house built on the sand and the house built on the rock? It says when the storms came, not if, when. Life has got storms. And the things, what are the things that, that I've kind of like seen in my life that have helped me stand strong in all the storm? Be part of a local church. This is the very saving net that God has put out there for you and I to keep us together. You see, and that's going to take commitment. And that means you're going to have to be faithful. And that means you're going to have to be loyal. And you're going to, this place, you're going to have an opportunity to serve. And you need to be a tither and generous with the very things that God has given you. Being a participator in this makes you become strong. We're living in a world now where church does not seem to be a priority in people's lives any longer. Oh, I serve God and all. Yes, you can. But you will never accomplish your great potential without being part of this. It's very interesting that when you read the Bible, any time any leadership was ever sent out, they were sent out from somewhere. If you ever wonder if there's a call of leadership and, and something that's greater than you, it, you, that will never be fulfilled because you have to be sent from somewhere. And you have to be accountable somewhere. All those things are important in you and I becoming the people that are effective. Don't get involved in other people's issues. Help people. Don't pick up other people's offenses. I want to tell you that lots of stuff happens in life and, and, and there's lots of opportunities to be able to get offended. I've had a gazillion of them in my life. But every time it happens, I've had to make a decision. I am not going to get offended. I might be missing something, or they might be wanting to just be mean to me, but it doesn't matter. I'm going to just be like a hippo, thick-skinned. You can bite me, you can do whatever you do, but my, th my skin is so thick and your teeth just can't grab me. You see, because I'm not going to allow you to disconnect me from my God. I'm not going to allow you to stop me from becoming who God needs me to be. But that makes a decision. You need a decision for that. Be a giver. Use your time, your talent, your treasure to help build the church, help build people. Reach out to people. Put yourself at the end of the, of the food chain. Don't build your life because of what can I get out of it. No. Lord, what can I give? Become a host pipe that carries the glory and the provision of God from one place to another place. I always say this. As long as you're a host pipe carrying water, you will always be wet. Jesus made a powerful statement in Matthew 24. It says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. This gospel will be preached to all the nations of the world, and then the end will come. There are a lot of signs of the end is coming, but there's still a lot of people that do not know who Jesus is. And that is why you are where you're at in your working environment. That's why you have the neighbors that you have is because God wants you to shine the kingdom of heaven in those situations. The world needs builders. 
You get builders that will build according to the plan, and I want to tell you that thing lasts. And then you get builders that build and take every shortcut that they can. And I want to, I want to tell you a story, and I don't know whether it's true because I heard it, so, uh, but I think there could be some essence of truth if you actually um, listen to how it happened. But there was a man that worked for a very successful building company, and the man often used to say to the builder, listen, um, I've bought another piece of land and I want you to build me a home there. And I want you, I want you to build the best. I use all the, the top, top material when you build that. And after doing that a couple of times, the man came to him again and said, listen, I'm going away for a while and I want you to build me a home again. But listen, I don't want you to spare on the, on, on the finishings. I want you to use the, the best finishings that you can have and find. Put it inside there. And this builder kind of like got tired. He says, you know, I've worked for this man for so long. And, you know, all I've done is I've just made him rich, 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 rich. I've done so many things for him. And, and, and this time I'm not going to do that. I'm going to take every shortcut. When the building's finished, it's going to look like it's amazing. But I want, I'm going to have taken every shortcut that I can think of. And he did. And the man comes back and he looks at the house And he says, wow, you've exceeded yourself again. And this house, I am giving to you to say thank you. Thank you for serving me so well. Thank you for all the effort that you put. Thank you for the sacrifices that you've made for me. This is your gift. May we we never be found as the kingdom of God doing every shortcut so that when we, at the end of our life, we hear that story, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into your war reward and into your rest. I'm moving forward because time's running out. Number three, the world needs people that will stay focused. The world needs people that will stay focused. Focus, we have to have something we're aiming for to stay focused. Lucas has kind of been talking about wanting to go shooting and that kind of stuff. But you know, it's amazing. When you go and watch somebody on the shooting range, they don't do this. You're never going to hit anything not looking where you're shooting, not lining things up. You and I need to become focused. What is the focus of your and my life? You see, you and I were created by God and for God. That's it. You were created to carry His glory, His presence, and you and I need to stay focused on that. And in life, there's the, um, I was riding my bicycle the other day, and the wind was wild, but from the side. And every now and then, it, 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 my bicycle was kind of like wobbling underneath me, and I was getting a bit nervous because I thought I'm going to fall off. And life has that ability to be able to slap us on the side to try and get you and I off course, but you and I need a fight to stay on course. In Proverbs 29, 18, it says, where there is no vision, people perish. You see, vision comes because I'm part of something bigger than me. That is why you and I need to be part of the local church, because the church has a vision, and it's bigger than you and I, and it sucks you in, and it gets you part, and it takes you along with it. Vision draws something out of me, something that I never knew was there. You see, if it wasn't for the church, I would have never known the call of God upon my life, because People saw something that I didn't know was there. And I fought against that thing, but I lost. (laughs) Because the vision does that. Vision makes me into something 
vision helps us to ignore the spectators and what they say. Vision connects us with the right crowd. Vision helps us to prioritize correctly. Vision helps us to stay committed to what God is doing. I want to show a video clip, if I may. And I want you to listen to this. And there's a couple of life lessons, and I'll just bring those out afterwards, and then we will close. But will you watch this video clip, please? But it all started for me when I was only seven years old. That is when my grandfather, Carl Walenda, probably the best-known tightrope walker of modern times, put me on a wire for the very first time. And on that wire was not even this high off the ground. It was only about the height of a regular kitchen table. But he taught me the elementary skills of tightrope walking. Things like how to hold this balancing pole. Things like how to place my feet on the wire. But the most important thing that I learned from my grandfather about keeping my balance on the tightrope was that I needed to keep my eyes on a fixed and an unmoving point at the far end of the wire, which happens to be where this cable meets those two pipes at the far end. That is how I maintain my balance. I've been doing this for over 50 years now. And with that time and that experience, I do have the ability to look around to talk to you face to face. But invariably, if this equipment is not as sturdy as I hope it is, or if I lose my balance for any reason whatsoever, my vision will instinctively and immediately return to that point at the far end of this wire so that I can regain my balance. Once this all becomes pretty much second nature to me, and what I mean by that is I can do it not in my sleep, but pretty much under any circumstances, then and only then did I take my first few steps on that tightrope. After that, you move up to some simple little feats, like what we call a salute. Now, another simple little feat that we might learn very early on would be a knee-down salute. And then, after that, you'd learn to go to do a, a few things that are a little bit more up in scale. Things like possibly shifting directions. You know, though, I learned very early on that I couldn't pay my bills or support my family by simply walking back and forth on a tightrope and doing some simple salutes. So I really had to put myself into my craft to practice and rehearse countless hours so I could move up to doing some things much bigger, much better, things like standing on my head. Ouch. <laughs> the more time that goes by, the more stars I see doing that particular trick. <laughs> you know, it might interest you to know that my rehearsals from the age of seven until I was 12 or 13 is what it took until I could actually make my first few steps on a regular tightrope, which was 30, 35 feet in the air. And then my family made me wait another five years till I was 17 or 18 
before I actually became a member of the Walenda Troop. But since that's been so long ago, I've discovered that every once in a while, I get out of breath, as you can probably hear at the moment. And when that happens, I find the best way to catch my breath is just to take a moment. So I'm going to place my trusty stool on the tightrope here. And once I get in position, I'm going to join you all and just kind of kick back and chill for a minute. But while I'm chilling, let me tell you how that little lesson that my grandfather taught me so long ago has been invaluable to me. That lesson about focusing on an unmoving point, on a goal in life. You see, as a tightrope walker, I've had innumerable upsets on the wire. Times that I've fallen. Well, I found that, by the way, I've never fallen to the ground. I've always been able to catch myself. But even so, that wire is very hard and very unforgiving. And I find that one thing always holds true every time I've ever fallen. It always hurts. <laughs> There's never been a time that it hasn't hurt. But my grandfather was a man of great integrity. My grandfather lived by that standard of the motto that you've often heard that is the circus analogy it just says that the show must go on now to me as a performer that's something that's a lot more significant than something I could just spit out of my mouth no you see it goes down to my very heart and soul it talks about life itself because in life you discover that even though there's some things that I'd love to go back and redo life doesn't afford me that privilege Sometimes I just like for time to sit still and stop, and life won't do that either. Life just has a way of continuing on. And so when I've been hanging there in anguish and in pain and thinking, what do I do next? I'm sure you agree with me that the most foolish thing I could do would be just to open my fingers and let go. No, you see, the only way of life is to go forward. And so whenever I found myself in that kind of a situation, I realized that the only thing that I can do is get myself back up on that tightrope, get focused on that point, and continue on. Now, that is a lesson for life itself because I found that if I'll focus in on a goal in my life, if I'll persevere, if I won't give up, if I'll be unrelenting, if I'll just hang in there, if I won't give up in the last moment, you know what I found? I found that I can accomplish absolutely the impossible in life. Now, you know, that's a lesson not just for me, that's a lesson for everybody. If you'll just focus in on a goal in life. If you persevere, if you don't give up, you can accomplish absolutely the impossible. And by the way, I need to tell you that my primary focus in life is Jesus Christ. Now there's a verse in the Bible, Hebrews 12, 2. It says that we need to fix our eyes on Jesus because he is the author 
and the perfecter of our faith. You see, he wrote it. He's the author of it. But not only that, he also perfected it. He also lived it. What amazing lesson in life. So just to close off this morning, I want to bring some things out of that because we're talking about being focused. We've been talking about being focused in a time like this because God's about to build something supernatural. And, and, and he wants you and I to be part of it. Number one, to keep your balance, have to focus on a fixed point that does not move. There's only one thing that's stable in this world today is Jesus Christ. Everything else is sinking sand. Everything else will wobble somewhere along the line in your life while, if you want to build on it. You have money today, tomorrow it can be gone. But Jesus Christ becomes the very thing that keeps you and I. And when you feel like you're losing your balance, focus back on the fixed point again. When life is taking a wobbly, make sure that your time with Jesus comes back to how it should be. Spend as much time as you can. Hebrews 12, 2, fixing your eyes on Jesus. Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Life might shake you, but God's plans for you have never changed. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope and to give you a future. He holds our future. Number two, how do you place your feet on the rope? The Bible talks about you and I in 1 Thessalonians 4. It says, watch how you walk in order to please the Lord. Make sure that when you and I are walking, we're not playing in, in the enemy territory. Let you and I walk with God. Make him a priority in your life. God, does this please you? Not please you? I'm going to change this. All I want to do, Paul says this. He says, I make it my goal to please him in every way. Let us have that drive in us. Third one, if you want to make a living out of tightrope walking, you're going to have to stretch stretch yourself. Sometimes in our Christian walk, you're going to feel like you stretch. You're going to have to stretch yourself. The very things that you used to do don't seem to be able to do it any longer. And you've got to press into God more than you've ever done before. You're going to have to start a fine word that you're going to have to stand on. And you're going to be confessing that when the giants are coming against you and the mountains seems like they want to swallow you. But you're going to have to keep standing on your word and say, God, you said you've exalted your word above your name. Heaven and earth will pass away, but your word is established forever. So that I can build my life on your word. Ephesians 3.20, it says, He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. And number four, it took him 10 years to become part of the Walden Troop. It's going to take time for you to and I to walk in the fullness of God. And so that means everything you do every single day counts. The little things count. The big things count. The way you stretch yourself when you come to church and maybe you've just been, it's just been comfortable for you to go and talk to the people that you do know. Maybe one Sunday you need to come and say, Father, today I'm going to break that. I'm going to talk to somebody I don't know. What do I talk about? I don't know. But just go and introduce yourself. Hi, I'm. What do you do? Just start with the basic questions because you've got to stretch yourself. How are you going to reach out to somebody that doesn't know Jesus if you and I just can't even go and talk to somebody who does love Jesus? It's going to stretch us. You have to keep on applying yourself. You have to keep doing the little extra every day 
God's watching. I want to remind us of that scripture right back in the beginning, 2 Peter 1.3. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us the very great and precious promise so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in this world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in an increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Number five, when you fall, remember it hurts. It hurts. There are some things that are going to happen, and it's going to hurt like hell. Please excuse the expression. But you have to pick yourself up. You have to get up again. There's other people that are waiting on the other side of your and my obedience. There is other people waiting for you to stand up again because you've been the vessel that God has chosen to get his love and grace to. And you and I have got to just keep picking ourselves up. You have to just forgive, forget, be bigger than the situation, and just keep on going. Philippians 3.13, forgetting what is behind and pressing on forward to the high call of God in Christ Jesus. Our past is the thing that wants to keep you from where God wants to take you. Let it go. Let it go. We will gain nothing by giving up. We only lose. We don't gain by jumping off the bus. We win by staying on the bus. The Lord promises us, didn't promise that it's not going to be, there's not going to be pain, but he did say that we would win. The Lord's favor will be seen upon you by your enemies. And that's why I get up again is because I want the presence of God to cause the enemies to regret the day they ever tried to destroy me. I want them to see the glory of God. What kind of people does this world need? People with a different spirit, people that will be builders, and people that will stay focused on running this race and building the greatest kingdom that there will ever be built. It's called the kingdom of heaven, where Jesus will rule and reign, and he will change people forever. Like Lucas said this morning, I'm coming. Jesus is coming. He's coming for this bride. He's coming for amazing people. Will you and I keep ourselves ready for that day? In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's pray.